This is Deadly Choices Radio, a show dedicated to discussing and educating all health matters and making deadly choices. Health from our mob to our mob, for all our mob. All the latest DC news and events. Good health for all our mob. This is Deadly Choices Radio. Hey, you mob, Brooke Carson with you for Deadly Choices Radio. Before we kick it off with this jam-packed episode, I'd like to acknowledge our elders past and present. I'd like to acknowledge the country I am broadcasting from today and the country you are listening from. Let's get into Deadly Choices Radio. I have Kim and Kendi from our Deadly Kendi's team to yarn with us today about early education. I'm also joined by one of our Deadly Choices ambassadors, Willie Tonga, and we're able to catch up following the huge Murray Corey event that just passed and the exciting NRL All-Stars coming up. On this episode, we'll also be joined by Andrew Niven and hear about his exciting new challenge coming up next month on February 12th. Before we put the spotlight on Deadly Kindies, let's yarn with Andrew Niven. Andrew, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. My name's Andrew. I'm a proud Aboriginal man from the Bunya Mountains here in Queensland. Jukundi Mob is my mob. I live most of my life here in Brisbane. Awesome. And can you tell us a bit about the challenge that you've got coming up? Yeah, I can. In, in just under a couple of weeks, I'm going to attempt the Guinness World Record for the furthest distance on an indoor rowing machine in 24 hours. So the current record is about 307,500 uh, metres, or 308 kilometres is my target. So yeah, it's about roughly 12.8 kilometres per hour is is the goal. And you just... Just keep chipping away, head down until until you get there. That's the plan, at least. Wow! And so you were speaking just earlier with Willie about your breaks and how you kind of get through every hour. Can you kind of break it down for us a bit? Yeah, it was a lot of experimentation, to be honest. So in the last kind of six seven months, I've done just shy of two thousand kilometres on the rower just at home uh, with my training. So the rowing machine is really good. It keeps a logbook of everything that you do kind of stored in the system and I've exported that and I kind of track it on, on my Excel spreadsheets and everything. And I was just experimenting with different pace and different strategies in terms of, you know, should I get ahead of the game early and, and really try and get in front and then bank the rest and then save it for the back end? And I did that for quite a few months. The strategy at the start was always, all right, you need to hold about a 220.4 pace per 500 meters. So for those people that are familiar with the rower, that's not fast, but also not slow. Uh, for one or two hours, that's a pretty achievable pace. But but when you get once you get past the four, five, six hour mark, that starts to become a bit of a challenge. So the thought process was, okay, what if I row at about a 155, two minute pace per 500 meters? So you're saving yourself, you know, 20, 25 seconds per 500. And then when you've done an hour, you might have punched out 15 kilometers and therefore, you know, you can have a good solid five, six minute break. In the last kind of two months though, what I found was that that worked really well for maybe maybe two hours, but then I fell off a cliff massively by hour three and hour four. And I just was burning too much energy at the start and I couldn't quite catch back up. And yes, I was ahead, but by hour five, six, I just fell too far behind. So the, the strategy at the moment, what I'm going to run with in a couple, of, a couple of weeks is that I'll roughly row for about 57 minutes out of each hour and, and hold like a 210 per 500 meter pace and then get about three minutes rest per hour. And, and in that rest, you kind of just, you know, it's more, more of a mental rest than anything, um, but also just trying to keep your body 
as as you know let, get rid of all the toxins that you possibly can you know with through creams through gels prevent cramping um, and also just take your time to cool your body down as well i think if i can keep my my core body temperature down as much as possible i think that'll that'll go a long way to making sure that i can you know sustain the pace all the way through yeah wow and i think the thought process behind it too can you explain a little bit behind why you chose to do this challenge in the first place yeah it's it's been a wild journey to be honest in the last few years i remember going back to kind of 2000 even right back to 2011 2012 when i first started uh, crossfit so that's how i kind of was exposed to this kind of high intensity training you know this different type of exercise before that i really didn't like the gym at all to be frank when i was at school i played a lot of sport played every outdoor sport possible actually when I was at school, even chess, um, if you count that as outdoors um, and and loved cricket. That was my main sport. And I was always told as a kid, you know, don't go to the gym because it'll ruin your bowling action. Um, And so I I never did. Um, And then, then I just, I, I, through a friend that I met, I found this CrossFit thing, didn't really know too much about it, um, dived in and absolutely loved it. Like it was that, for me, it was that perfect balance of you're getting, you know, that that trying to push yourself past, you know, the that barrier that you have every single day is, is what I really love. Like, you know, I'm not that talented in terms of, you know, athletic ability or anything like that. Um, but mentally, I really love the opportunity to push my body past what is, you know, perceived possible. Uh, and, and that's what CrossFit allowed me to do. And so I did that in kind of semi-competitively for a while, took some time out of the corporate life to, to take a, uh, a dive into that in about 2016, I think it was. So I did a few comps, you know, locally and kind of competed against some of the national level, international level CrossFit athletes, which was really cool. Um, but that got to a point when we had our first trial in, in late 2017, where I just couldn't sustain the training. And, and I wasn't quite at that level. I think I probably had it mentally. I was at the same level that these guys were at, but just my strength wasn't, wasn't good enough. Like what I was snatching and clean and jerking and squatting and deadlifting was reasonable numbers for, for the average human. But for an elite athlete like the that I was competing against, it just just wasn't there. So, I took kind of put that in the back seat, and then th- this kind of you know new phase started really in 2019. When to be honest, I was just taking the complete piss out of my dad. When when he, I remember growing up as a kid, he had this uh, he had this little cabinet of his medals and whatnot, and one of them was a marathon medal that he'd gotten some year. I don't even remember, maybe in the 80s, and he would always bang on about how hard it is to run a marathon. And I was like, yeah, right, oh, dad, you know, whatever. Good, you know, good story. I've, I've heard this so many times, you know, give it away. Uh, but, and then, and then one year I, I always used to tell him as a kid, look, anyone can run a marathon, you know, you don't even need to train. And he'd get so riled up. He's like, are you serious? You know, going off his rocker. And, uh, and so one year, 2019, I just, I did it. I just signed up for the Gold Coast Marathon, didn't train, did no running uh, and just pitched up. And I said, yep, I'll give this a go. Time cap was six hours and 40 minutes to finish the Gold Coast Marathon. And I did mine in, in a very embarrassing five hours and 54 minutes, but I, I got under the time cap and I've got my finishers medal at home. Um, and I remember my dad had to come and pick me up actually. And I could barely walk to the car. He's like, I'm over here. I'm like, mate, you're gonna have to drive down <laughs> to pick me up. I'm down the street. Um, and, and so that, that was like, you know, without any training, nothing. And that was just, you know, you kind of just pushed yourself here. Yeah, I was pretty wrecked, um, but, I, but I finished, spent, spent probably 25K running and then 17K walking, if I'm honest. So I didn't run the whole thing. And then uh, in 2021, I, in March, 2021, I broke my first Guinness World Record. So I broke, broke the world record for the most amount of weight lifted by a kettlebell swing in 24 hours. And bit of a backstory to how that came on, but the, the long and short of that was, you know, with my height, my levers, my, my kind of body shape, I've always naturally been quite good at kettlebell swings, even when I first started CrossFit and these guys could, you know, clean 
double what I was cleaning, but I could keep up with them on a kettlebell just because I had the right technique and I had the right power output when I needed it and where I needed it. And when I did a bit of research, I found that, oh, I could potentially beat this record if I trained for it properly. So I spent nine months training for that and was successful. So I broke the record in, in yeah, March 2021. I lifted just short of 10,000 uh, 10, swings. Um, so about 3,500 with a 24 kilo kettlebell and then just shy of 6,000 with a 14 kilo kettlebell. And, and after I did that, <clears throat> Uh, it took me a long time to physically and mentally to recover, but I always told myself, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to just do one thing. I, I, I didn't want to just do one record and that be the end of it. I really wanted to see, and, and I loved the process. I really, I really like, yes, the day was awesome and there was a lot of energy there, but I actually enjoyed the nine months leading up to the day more than I enjoyed the day itself. And, and so I thought, you know what, I want, I want to do that again. Um, and I had, did a bit of research, had a look around at what my different options were and pretty quickly, I settled on, on the rower. Again, sim- similar story, always quite good at the rowing machine, um, even when I was doing CrossFit because of my levers, my height, um, and just I think my ability just to grind it out. Like it's, it hurts, yes, definitely. The rowing machine's not kind to you. It's not very forgiving, not a lot of places to hide, um, but I enjoy that. You know, it's good to, to, you know, you finish a session and you thought, wow, you know, I thought I was, I could have easily given up there 10, 15, 20 times, but I didn't, and I feel much better for it. Yeah, brother. Yeah, I um, just got a quick question. And um, yeah, before I get into it, I'll just introduce myself. My name is Willie Tonga, um, proud Wiradjuri man, um, originally from down in Peak Hill, a um, little country town just outside of Dubbo. Um, yeah, so I grew up there and um, moved around quite a bit when we were younger and then, um, yeah, ended up living in Sherbrooke and then moved down to Sydney to start my NRL career. Um but we we're just talking, just um, you know, off um, while the mics weren't recorded. Um, so I've done a little bit of rowing, you know, you know, yep. in my footy days, um, yep. and it's not the most fun thing to do. Um, for you, is there a cause behind it, or is this just like a personal challenge? Like, are you trying to raise money um, for you know what you're doing, or is it just like a, a personal challenge for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So when I did the kettlebell challenge, it was I, I, I kept it I, I kept it kind of pretty pretty hidden for for a lot of the time. I, I was my best mate knew about it, you know, close close family knew about it, but not too many other people did. I was really looking to do it more as a hey, you know, I've been I've been you know grinding my gr- grinding myself for quite quite a long time now, and in the grand in the grand scheme of things in the CrossFit world, I kind of didn't really get anywhere. Like I was never a kind of renowned athlete, didn't make it to any sort of international level or anything. But but I, I always felt like I had the mental aspect of it yeah. and I was just lacking the physical aspect. And so so the, the heart of what the kettlebell challenge was for me was to prove that, yes, you've got the mental aspect and yes, you can do something and you have some physical aspects, but why mm-hmm. don't you just focus on the things that you can? And and that was the combination of that. And and then about three or four weeks out, I used to play, um, I still do, I play uh, social indoor cricket on yep. Tuesday nights in, in Wynnum um, and we were having a conversation about social things. It's called social, um, but there's a few people that love to take it pretty seriously on the Tuesday night. So some nights get a bit get a bit hectic, but um, about you know, a couple of weeks before I was to do my kettlebell thing, I told my mate, oh, look, I can't play cricket for a couple of weeks. He's like, oh, what's going on? I said, oh, mate, I've, I'm about to do this, you know, kettlebell. Rig. What are you doing? And then, and he's like, mate, this is awesome. Are you raising any money? I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, come on, let's think about something. And so I just, off the top of my head, I plucked out, well, let's do the heart foundation because uh, my, my dad had a triple bypass heart operation in, yep. in January 2021. So just a couple of weeks before I did my, my record in March 2021. And so I just said, yep, let's do that. 
And we managed to raise three grand or so in a couple of weeks without really much promotion at all, which mm-hmm. to me, I was like, oh, I, I, I really overlooked that aspect of this. Like yeah. I was really like focused inwardly, inwardly and I pr- probably should have been thinking a bit more broadly. And so the whole time that, that I said, righto, when I do the next one, I'm going to have a much better plan about what we're going to do and we're going to raise, you know, mm-hmm. decent coin for a decent cause. And that's where the Deadly Choices Foundation comes into it. So, so Deadly Choices has been something, you know, that I re- really, I guess it's just struck a chord with me right from the start, you know, like Deadly Choice is a healthy choice. That's mm-hmm. something that I've yep. kind of lived my life for, for, you know, 10 plus years now, like no sugar, um, haven't drunk alcohol in over six years, um, don't even have caffeine, um, haven't had sugar in over 10 years, all those sort of things. And, and I think it's just that, that slow, gradual, you know, increase and in that, that, you know, you're not going to feel a million bucks the next day, but, you know, two, three, four years later, you're going to yep. start those, mm-hmm. you know, feel those flow on effects. And so I just love what Deadly Choices does for, for our people. I love the ethos of it. I love that, you know, it can really give you something to, to focus on, work towards and make you just a better, better, better person, you know, better, better for your family, yep. you know, be a role model, all those sort of things. And, and so, yeah, that's what this cause is all about. So I am raising money for the Deadly Choices Foundation, which is, which is so that the money that we raise actually goes into a fund that, that lasts forever. So, so Deadly Choices can't actually pull the money out of the fund. They live, live off the returns of that fund. So okay. this money yep. gets invested and then the investment manager then delivers a return back to Deadly Choices. Um, so every year, every dollar that we raise that goes into the Deadly Choices Foundation um, pumps money back into mm-hmm. Deadly Choices for infinity. So it never ends. It, you can't you can't wind it up, um, and and you get that interest earned every single year, and that's really exciting because that'll yep. live you know live on long after I'm gone, and and hopefully you know other people around can can kind of see that that long lasting impact of what you can build over time can just make such a huge difference to something like Deadly yeah, Choices for sure. And can anybody just uh, donate to the cause and... How if they wanted to donate, how how would they go about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's up on socials there. So so it's on Deadly Choices LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I put a personal post up on LinkedIn as well. There's an email that's been sent out uh, that I can forward along to anyone interested too. But yeah, best bet would look at go have a look at D- Deadly Choices socials. Yep. And there's a fundraising page there. It's just called the Niven World Record. So nothing you know ground revolutionary with the name. Um, but there's a there's a good fundraising page there. We're just last I checked, we were just over seven. $7,000, oh, awesome. which is really, really cool. Um, we had an original target of 10, um, but I'm hoping we can maybe bump that up and, and hopefully break through the, the 10, maybe even get to 15 or 20. Because I think I think once you get the word out there of where the money's going and, and the causes that it's going to, I think it becomes more important than, than just me. And that's something that's been important to me as I've been training. Like yeah. 2,000 kilometers is a long way to go on a rowing machine. And I've done almost all of that by myself at home at night time uh, when everyone else in the house has been asleep. Mm. So, you know, it's been staying up till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, just pounding, pounding the machine as best I can. And, and, you know, those are the nights where you're, if you're just doing it for yourself, you, most people would just give up, you know, yeah. or you've got a really, really massive ego, um, either, either option. Um, but if you can make it about more than just yourself, I think you're a much better bet of, of pushing yourself through those, those hard sessions that you really need to do. If you're not, if you're not grinding it out in training, you know, no chance of doing these things yeah, exactly. when push comes to yeah. shove. Yeah. Are you using the concept? Yeah, so yeah. so you have to use the concept too. Yeah. So for the record to be official, um, you can't use any other brand of machine. They're all yeah. calibrated differently, and I'm not an expert on that to be honest. But yeah, they rec- Guinness World Records only gives you the record if you do it on a concept too, and you have to get a technician to come out and make sure you haven't tampered with the machine too. So I'm getting a fellow to come out. I think the day before I do it, just to run his 
thing to just to make sure. I didn't even know how to tamper with it, but apparently you can. Yeah. Um, so, so he just needs to write a little statement to say, yeah, old mate here hasn't hasn't cheated. He, he, this is legit. Yeah. So do you ho- do you hold the the kettlebell? No, it's one? been broken. So it's actually been broken twice since yeah. I did it. So I did have it. I held it for about eight months yeah. um, until it got broken for the first time. And then the poor fellow after me, I think only had it for maybe three or four months and then he's got snapped up as well. So yeah, hot, hotly contested one. It was, no one no one touched it for five years yep. between the guy before me and then me. And then yeah, twi- twice in not too long a space of time. Um, but that's right, still got the certificate at home. And yeah, yeah that's so, it. might that, be another challenge for you after you did your own challenge. Yeah, maybe. We'll see how we go. Yeah. Are you looking for another challenge after you think or you'll have a bit of a break? Yeah, I've been asked that quite a few times, and, and I think what I've I've said it on a couple of things. One one thing is I think, and I had a good chat with a mate of mine from work about this, is that there's a really big difference between, I guess, task completion. So completing a task. Let's take something like swimming the English Channel. Okay, so so if you want to swim the English Channel, and you want to train for that, that's a certain level of dedication that you have to do. It's about thirty three kilometers if you can swim in a straight line. But if you want to be the fastest person to ever swim the English Channel in the history of all time, that's a completely different regime of training. Mm. Like if you had an unlimited amount of time to swim it, off you go, you know. You can probably get away. I, I could probably train for that and I could I could probably do it. But if I wanted to be the fastest person to ever swim the English Channel, I don't think I'm any hope of that. I'm not a very good swimmer. Um, but but that's that's where what I've been kind of processing is, well, if I was to row for 24 hours and the distance didn't matter, then oh, that's that's okay. Mm. Like that's a completely different challenge to actually you have to row for 24 hours and you have to row further than yeah. anyone else has ever done in 24 hours. That's that's a completely different different challenge. So where where my head's at at the moment is that I think I'm done with being the best ever at things. I think I might just move on to task completion. Like you know, okay, you've done a marathon, that's great. What about an Ironman triathlon? Maybe and and don't try and win it because I couldn't, but just try and complete that. Mm. And then maybe okay, you've done that. What about what about swimming the English Channel? Maybe I I, I could in theory swim that but I'm nowhere near fast enough to be the fastest person ever. So I think that's what I'll most likely do. The, the mental load to do these things is is quite taxing and I've got two young kids. So I've got a, by the end of this year, my kids will be six and three and, you know, our daughter's started school this year and, you know, she'll have her journey of playing social sport and getting involved in all those sort of things. And I'd much rather be there to support them than, than do these big kind of challenges on, on myself. Like it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of time, it's, you know, working a full-time job, supporting kids, being on boards, all that sort of stuff. It, it, it adds up. It's worth it, don't get me wrong, but I think you've only got a few of these in the tank before you have to say, you know, that was awesome, but that's, maybe that's enough. The only other thing I'm considering uh, is like a group record. So, so maybe, you know, I, I have thought about this and, and this is kind of the first time I've socialized it, but you know, this is an individual record for me and these funds are going straight towards Deadly Choices Foundation, but maybe there's an opportunity to do, you know, uh, a large team record. So we get, you know, still it's the Deadly Choices thing, but now we're opening it up to as many mob that want to participate and we say, right, we're going to put a large team together. So think 50, 80 plus people, here's the rower, let's go for 24 hours, but you're getting 80 you know, mob to come together mm. to try and row as far as you can and everyone's, you know, getting involved as yeah. a team effort and yep. and that's something that I could get excited for. Um, I'm not convinced I've got another solo <laughs> effort in me if I'm being honest, but you never know, you never yeah. know. Fair yeah. enough. And I think, like you said, the mental aspect as well doesn't get talked about a lot, but that would be so taxing. And like you were talking about your training, how you wait until everyone's gone to bed and you have to get up. And also I think on your 
eating schedule as well, the fact that you make these deadly choices where you have cut out sugar, what does your uh, dieting, I guess, look like when you are training for these? Good question. I I, uh, I did no no real dieting specifically when I did my kettlebell thing. So that was all myself. So I, I programmed for myself. So I decided what workouts I was going to do, when I was going to do them, how I was going to do them. I decided what I was going to eat, when I was going to eat. I did all did all all of it myself, and it was quite rewarding when when I when it came off. I attempted to do the same thing with this row. So I was like, you know what? You know, I learned a bit from that kettlebell thing. Things that I did right, things that I did wrong. I did a few things wrong. It wasn't perfect, but I learned and. Yeah, so I did it myself and then I got to about November last year and I did a did an eight-hour row. So I was trying to row 100. Well, I did. I rowed 100 kilometers to see just how how the body would handle that, body, body and mind. And it turns out it was not good. Um, so I had all these plans. I was like, yeah, you've got coconut water and you've got beetroot juice and you got, you know, all these energy gels and everything. And it was all, all well thought through, I thought. And then about three, maybe three and a half hours in, um, something happened that I'd never experienced before. My body just like it just started to completely reject everything that I was putting in it. Like I, I would look, it would look at water and go, nah, don't want it. Coconut water, nah, beetroot, nah. And I was like, oh, geez, something's going really wrong here. And then I tried to row and it was a big struggle and I was I thought I was going to pass out and my pace had fallen off a cliff and then wife had come across and she's like, look, I think you need some food. Okay. So she ran back home, cooked me up this massive feed and came back with like this big bowl of brown rice and pumpkin and salmon and something that I would usually love. Like I'd devour that if that was my dinner. And I looked at it and I just wanted to throw up. I was like, I can't eat this. Mm. Like, what are you doing? Um, and I, I kind of half forced myself to eat it. And, and I, I really trudged my way through that, that 100K. And what it, what it learned was, okay, I'm not smart enough. I haven't had enough experience to do this by myself. So I've been working with a sports dietitian for the last... Yeah, since November, um, booked myself in and, and we probably had four sessions together so far and he's helped out massively, like in terms of, you know, different variety of food to eat, like the calorie load that I need per day just to sustain training and life in general. And then he's given me this really couple of really good supplements to take while I'm actually rowing um, that can kind of keep you going uh, rather than just relying on water. Uh, and then we've got a bit of a plan for what we're going to do for the 24 hours in terms of hour by hour, what am I consuming at roughly what times? And it's all, it's all well and good. Like Mike Tyson said, it's all well and good until you get hit in the face. I'm sure my plan will go out the window at some point. Um, but at least on paper, it looks like a good plan for 24 hours. I, I'm not a big tracker of, of calories or anything like that. So I can't tell you the, the exact number. I, in fact, I, I, I'm more of a, my philosophy is more of a, if you eat the right type of food, you don't have to worry about the quantity. So for example, you know, okay, uh, does it matter if I eat one full bag of spinach or five full bags of spinach? Like um, you're probably Mm. never going to get full from eating. You can't overeat on spinach, you know, or sweet potato or or good quality meat or anything like that. Like your body naturally tells you, oh, okay, I'm done here. Whereas things like, you know, sugar, like when you're drinking soft drink, your body doesn't have that natural response of I'm done. Like if if you're kind of hooked on sugar, your body wants more and more of it. Um, and so I think because I don't kind of put any of that stuff in there, my body's quite good at just, I just listen to when I'm hungry, when I'm not hungry. Um, and very rarely I'll force feed myself, but only if it's a leading into like a really long session that I'm about to do. Yeah, that's so interesting. And thank you so much for your time today and good luck with your challenge. Um, so remember to support Andrew, head to deadlychoices.com, the Facebook page, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and you can donate to Deadly Choices. We'll head to a short break and I'll be back with you with Debbie Pickles. 
your DC clinics. From the tip of the Torres Strait to the border of the Bundjalung people in Coolangatta. Welcome to the show, Kim and Kendi. Uh, could you introduce yourself and your role with Deadly Kindies? Yeah, my name is Kimberly Apo. I am a proud growing, growing woman with connections at Colourlee. Um, my role within Deadly Kindies is a senior education officer at the moment. And I'm Kendi. I'm a proud Darug woman. And yeah, Kim and I have just started the same role, senior early education officer. Awesome. Thank you guys for coming on the show today. Um, so for mob that don't know what Deadly Kindies is, could you please give us like a brief explanation of it? Yeah, so Deadly Kindies is a program within the Institute for Urban Indigenous Health. And what we do is we um, we encourage and provide support for families getting into kindergarten and providing early education resources for families as part of the Institute for Urban Indigenous Health and our clinics, just providing that early years background and the shadow, um, highlighting sorry the importance of early years for mob and why it is important and trying to um <coughs> trying to get those enrollments up for kindergarten because enrollments for mob are quite low compared to non-indigenous people um so yeah just trying to make sure that mob see how important it is to get their little ones into kindy and how beneficial it is um to build those early learning like lifestyles and yeah and to let them know as well that, you know, there are culturally safe spaces available for mob. Um, they might not necessarily know what's in their area. So part of our role is to, um, yeah, to help them find those spaces and make sure that they're set up for success and, and early learning. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And can you elaborate a little bit on the importance of early learning as well and why having a culturally safe environment is so important? Yeah, so you know, for for all little ones, but especially for our for our little jarjams, our mob, it's important to have a sense of belonging in wherever they are. Um, as we know, you know, society isn't kind always to to mob. So trying to find early learning services that are respectful and that provide that cultural background and community engagement for mob um, gives them a sense of belonging um, and a sense of safety as well that they feel safe within that environment, that they can, that their family feels safe as well, that they can go and trust that their child be left in that learning environment to learn and be protected um, and have the best start to life. Um, and the early learning, the importance of the early learning is, is there's a lot of research and we always yarn about how, you know, MOB have been educating kids on this land for thousands and, and thousands of years and, and the importance of that um, and we talk a lot about setting up for, for future success. So there's a lot of research into what um, our bubs and jarjams are doing from zero to five years is actually determines who they become as an adult. And a lot of people don't realise that. So we're, we're really trying to empower families because, you know, that we, we are educators as as people. So that's, that's how we go. So, you know, just giving that power back, a lot of that was taken away through colonisation, obviously. So, yeah, le- letting families know that, they can educate at home and they're first and foremost their their first their child's first teachers so and when we talk about um iui and linking our program with the values of iui um we aren't about preventative measures um and a lot of people don't realize that a lot of those preventive measures that we are trying to embed in community is done in through early childhood Mm. so you know all of your deadly choices you know providing (coughs) healthy meals drinking water you know brushing teeth like just your basic things are done through play-based learning at kindergarten or at a long daycare service um, that provides those life skills for jarjams to carry throughout life. So it's really preventative measures in for health in 
early learning, um, but through play-based learning. Um, so yeah, it's quite amazing when we when we yarn about that. We're trying to embed that, especially you know, Kendi runs the birthing in our community playgroup, the early learning program, um, and she does all that. So it's providing you know healthy meals for mums and bubs each week, and those early learning activities that they take home with them, and yeah, just take home those life skills. Yeah, and I guess on that, can you talk to us a bit about those other services too that involve like birthing in our community too, and how that. Uh, correlates to deadly kindies? Well, birthing in our community, we've got um, south and north. I'm currently working um, with north side up there. So, you know, the the families have a, a family support worker who's that culturally safe space. Again, when we talk about, you know, the hospital and medical system outside of our IUE clinics or Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander Medical Services, it's not really a safe space for what they don't look at those spaces and think, oh, that's somewhere I can go and tell, have a yarn with someone and talk about my problems or my health issues. You know, a lot of those places have a lot of, um, you know, it's traumatic really for, for mobs. So BIOC is, you know, you get a family support worker and a midwife as well who helps you navigate the the um, hospital system and, and healthcare system while, while you're pregnant and having, having Bob. And then once you've been through that program, then there's um, the early learning program, which we have up there, which is where we have play group each week. And then f- that's from, I guess, from six weeks to three years. And then from there, that's where Deadly Kindies come in. So, uh, you know, as an organisation, we are making sure that we are starting from birth and setting up, f- you know, f- mob and jarjams for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And providing that wraparound care too. So, you know, Kendi does run the early learning program, but, you know, she makes sure that she's connected in through, you know, the networking of IUE to make sure that those families are getting the right support and the most appropriate support that suits them and their family um, to go as far as doing like in-home playgroups for families who just might be, you know, a little bit anxious about coming to a big playgroup mm. or, you know, aren't ready to come into that space, um, but just still be, being able to provide that care for them in-home um, and then, you know, having that connection with Deadly Kindies and Bioc. So it's a smooth transition. So we uh, Deadly Kindies might go along to some playgroups or some community events that Bioc are at so we can meet families and build those connections. So when it's their turn to go into long daycare, if parents are returning to work or they want wanting kindergarten, we're there to say, oh, well, you know, we, we've had that yarn, we've met before, you know, we're a little bit more comfortable. Mm. There's, you know, there's that relationship. And then we can, you know, take on that family, provide them with the support they need and go as far as, you know, taking them on tours um, <clears throat> to daycare services, providing culturally, culturally safe support um, in those services and making sure that they're getting the right support they need. Yeah, definitely. I think you guys have such an important emphasis on family as well within your services too. And I just want you guys to elaborate a little bit on that and how important including the family and building the connection with the family and not only the bub as well as to deadly kindies. Yeah, yeah, well as Kendi said, like, you know, first and foremost the families are the the um foundation of a child. So when we're empowering families, we want to empower the parents and the, the whole family um, or whoever, whoever the guardians mm, the are. because um, that's you know, as we know that's kinship. That's how we work. So we're providing a whole community to the whole family. I mean, that's what IUE does. They look at the whole family, not just the child. And we uh, we take from that. Um, coming from a early learning background, I personally always thought that, you know, the parent is who's going to guide me. So you look at the individual child and you follow what the parent wants and then you just provide support 
to what they want their child to be doing or what they they want their family to be doing and what's best for them and their child rearing practices which look different for everybody but it's just respecting that respecting that's that's their family that's their family dynamic and that's what they're doing and this is how we're going to support them and I think that's the best way to support people is just by looking at their family respecting that making them feel safe and comfortable and that's that's our journey together mm. and I know you know we encourage mob to bring all your family like come bring everyone to play a group bring everyone down for the um events outside you know the more the merrier we always make sure we have a good feed for everyone and it's great for them to come along and you know mob you tell them oh you know there's going to be a feed so they'll they'll bring <laughs> you know everyone over but i know um at birthing in our community we, we say bioc but birthing in our community there's also now a deadly dads program so we've got a um social worker there who is doing, you know, parenting programs with the dads and just having yarns and being available and just having that kind of, you know, male space because it is, you know, even the name, it says Mums and Bubs Hub, but it's not just mums, you know, it's everyone. We, You know, you said kinship, everyone's raising this bub. Um, and if not, then the staff then become that family for, you know, a lot of people have moved here maybe on their own. So that's where the family support workers and, you know, our team come in where we try and become that support for the family. Yeah, definitely. You guys do such amazing work with families and bubs. And also, I think what you have said just before as well, the cultural space is so important, I think, in kindergarten to learn as well for young bubs because it does get lost if these children then go to mainstream schools. So to build that cultural connection so early too is so important for them. So what do you guys do to really put an emphasis on that? Yeah, so through playgroups, we always provide culturally safe, like, experiences for the for the little ones um and just I guess having that black presence is a big one for us as well just having mom around um always makes we always say like at community events when we do like QMC or we were just at the um Murray vs Koori Interstate Challenge and the kids just feel so safe um at these at these stalls that we do and we never have any issues um with any of the kids because they do feel safe they feel safe with mob um and through these kindergarten spaces we want to just um I guess teach teach people how to embrace that um and encourage them to do the best they can with the knowledge they have if not you know get more training um and how important that is for our first nations families and how to get their first nations families in the door um to make sure that they're feeling safe and how to support that and continue supporting that, not just, you know, do the basic, but keep going, keep going with your journey. Mm, check back in too, yeah. see, see how everyone is. and But, yeah, we always try and provide, we're always thinking of, you know, uh, I guess activities and experiences that we did when we are in childcare, but how can we, like, blackify yeah. it? Like, how can <laughs> Make we... it black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, yeah, like Kim was saying, when we go out to these events, the kids all remember us, you know, these jarjums like, oh, auntie, I met you at the Murray Carnival or remember I made that, I did oh, that necklace so with my name yeah. on it and, um, you know, so... Yeah, we, we do get to know the community and, and those kids, they come over and their mums or parents are like, come on, we're going now, we're going to watch the footy game. And they're like, no, I'm going to stay here. Can I stay here, honey? Like, it, yeah, <laughs> it's really nice. And we're happy to, yeah. like, we, you know, we never have, not once have I ever had an incident where I'm like, oh, we need to go find these parents. Yeah. Um, or, you know, this child's upset or anything. Like, there's never been anything like that. They're so safe and they feel safe and connected with us that yeah. they'll stay all day and they'll come back every day that we're there um, because... They just, you know, it's that sense of security for them. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell us a bit about how Jarjans can be a part of Deadly Kindies and the enrolment process? Yeah, so Deadly 
Tedley Kindies is a part of all of our member services. Um, so it's just, you know, enrolling into kindergarten and then we provide an incentive, which is a Deadly Kindies backpack, where if you're in, your jar is turning four before the 30th of June, um, <clears throat> they are up to date with their health check and they're enrolled in a government-approved kindergarten. That can be a long daycare or a community kindy. They can um, get this kindergarten pack. And if they're not enrolled and they're needing support to be enrolled, they can just speak to their GP or their receptionist who can email us or, you know, get in contact with us or they can even, you know, get in contact with us via our socials, yeah, our Facebook. reach out via socials. Yeah, like. Facebook, Instagram, um, and just have a yarn with us about how we can support them um, and we'll be more than happy to do so. Um, so, yeah, through the clinics, through our socials, get in touch. Um, yeah, I think that was it. Oh, I wanted to say what was, what was in the backpack. So the yeah. backpack <laughs> is, a, um, is a bit of a starter kit for kindy. Um, so it has a lunchbox, a hat, a water bottle, a sheet, a blanket, and it's got one of these Deadly Kindy exclusive shirts. Yeah, very deadly. You guys, is that the one you're wearing yeah. today? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're also matching. Cool. You can catch them. I think I saw you guys in them at the Marikuri as well. So any events that you guys are at, you can have a look at those deadly shirts as well and the packs. Definitely a great incentive for the little guys to get out there. Um, but can you also tell us where each kindy is based as well? So we're not a kindergarten um, ourselves. So we are a program that provides support into kindergarten. So what we do is we'll go out and we'll, I guess, be a little bit of, I've heard people say a bit of a cultural barrier um, and we'll try and find when we go into these kindergarten services, which ones are the most welcoming and which ones are the ones that we feel safe at and ones mob recommend. Um, and we'll go have yarns and take families in and we'll try find them um, and be that, na- I guess, that navigation through mm. the, the early education system. Um, but they there is an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kindergarten in Zilmia and then there's the three um, on the south side through Attics and then you've got one in Gandala, uh, one in Wynnum, sorry, which is Gandala um, and one in Ipswich, which is Emmeroo. Amazing. Cool. And... What is new and exciting coming up for kindies this year? Any exciting events planned that mob can get themselves down to? What do you have in store? Um, oh, we ha- we oh, it's going to be a busy year. True. So we, uh, we, yeah, oh gosh, what is that? You'll just have to follow us on our socials yeah. <laughs> and see what we get up to. Yeah, so. But we, we do a lot of, um, you know, play groups out. We've just um, branched out up to um, the Cairns area as oh, well. Wow. Went That's up to right. Mariba yes. and Yarraba um, and up there and they started their kindy year. So Deadly Kindies is launching out there. We're looking at different spaces to become available. Um, Kim and I have just started our new role and it's um, Deadly Kindies but a bit more intensive. Yeah, it's a intensive right, support sis? program. So it's helping families in those little bit more complex um, situations and environments, um, how they can still provide their children with um, kindergarten um, because kindergarten is free for mom this year. Um, so just, you know, navigating that space um, with those bit of complex backgrounds as well. Um, and, yeah, so we'll be opening up more playgroups this year, uh, networking a bit more. We're hoping to do a couple of more events. So watch this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, we've, we you might see some new faces on our on our filming days. So we've got a couple of new people starting. So look out for us on that. Yeah, we're growing. We're yeah. getting bigger bigger and better. So 2023 is exciting for Deadly Kindies for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for coming on this morning. Before I let you go, do you have a deadly choice? 
My deadly choice at the moment is I've been trying to improve my habits. So I've been waking up every morning and I've been going for a big walk and it's been really nice and it's, it's been a great way to start my day. And I've found that it's uh, obviously physically it's, it's um, good for me, but I think mentally it, is, um, it's been the huge improvement and I've been yeah doing that for no, since the end of last year now and it, it's been going really good. So that's my deadly choice. Go for a big walk. Nice, Kim. Yeah, my deadly choice. Um, I have a little one who's three and a half, and um, our deadly choice as a family is to get out, get out of the house, connect to country, um, be more involved together as a family, and just really, we've got a little one coming in April as well, so just spending a lot more time together and preparing for that, and getting him prepared to be a big brother. Oh, nice. <laughs> if well, you thank can. You. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both so much for coming on today. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Real life perspectives from our mob to our mob. Hey, Willie, welcome back to Deadly Choices Radio. Let's get straight into it. And we had Murray vs. Curry on the weekend. How awesome yes. was this event and what was the highlight for you? Yeah, it was so good. It's such a great concept. Um, you know, with what Ian Lacey was able to, um, you know, bring, you know, for that weekend um, alongside the Artie Beeson Foundation. Um, yeah, it was it was a massive weekend, and I don't know. I think the highlight was just the whole day. You know, seeing so much talent. Um, you know, with the with the juniors, and then um, leading into the to the women's game, the the uh, the native women's. Yeah, um, they had a good win there. They did have a good win, and then um, seeing the men go at it as well. Um, yeah, unfortunate that the Arab United lost, but um, yeah, it was such a great day. Yeah, it definitely was. I think it was really awesome to see. It was a super hot day and it rained a bit, but mobs stuck around as well to hang out and it was pretty packed, I thought, as well, The all the playing fields as well. Yeah, definitely, players. yeah. And I, I think, you know, rugby league is one of those things where it just brings our community together, you know, uh, rain, hail or shine. Like yeah. everybody will rock up and, um, yeah, like they were there from the beginning and... Um, yeah, nobody left until the final yeah. whistle. Yeah, and it was a huge day for everyone. Um, but what a great showcase of talent from young to old. Mm-hmm. How great is the opportunity for the young players? Yeah, such an awesome uh, opportunity, um, especially for the boys that, you know, are from remote communities. Um, you know, they don't get those opportunities um, like the, the city kids do um, where, you know, they've got, you know, access to those schools like, um, you know, those big rugby league schools and, and the programs within the schools as well, um, you know, and they've got those pathways. So it's very hard for, you know, those young kids that are in remote communities to um, get selected or even get seen by scouts. So um, massive opportunity to be able to um, play on a big stage and um, NITV and, you know, broadcast every game. Yeah, that's um, so true. Yeah, so, um, you know, no doubt there would have been NRL scouts watching it, um, you know, and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, some of the boys get picked up and yeah. um, signed from those games. And I think um, a great example of this is our own DC ambassador, Tyrone Roberts. Mm-hmm. I got to interview, to interview him on the day and he spoke about how it was a bit of a full circle moment for him to come back because he played at a Mario Curry event when he was 16. 
So for him to come back now as an ambassador and be watching and see the young boys as well come through, it was just that moment for him to kind of appreciate what he had been through and to see it kind of happening to these young fellas too. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, I think, um, yeah, he's, that was, was maybe 15 years ago now. Um, so, you know, for them to still be um, showcasing the under-16s and um, I think, you know, Julian as well, um, he, he got picked up from the the finals last last year, Arab United. So he's, um, I'm blanking on his last name, uh, but he's got a... Um, a trial with the Cowboys. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, so, yeah, massive opportunity for um, those followers to, you know, showcase their talent and um, maybe get picked up by an NRL club. Yeah, definitely. And on to the NRL. The NRL All-Stars are coming up very soon. What did you think of the two teams being announced last week as well? We've got um, some pretty deadly players in the Indigenous team, mm-hmm. some of our ambassadors as well representing. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I um, it was great to see Kieran Mosley, um, you know, get selected. Um, I, I think it shows that, you know, we're sort of um, lacking um, with players, but, you know, I know that as, as soon as they put that jersey on, um, you know, they're going to rise yeah. 10 foot tall and, um, you know, because they're playing for mob, playing for culture and, um, yeah, they're going to be going up against a, a strong multi team, but... Um, yeah, when you're playing for your people, um, it's you know, just a whole different game. It, isn't it, it, it really is. It really is. I um I had the opportunity to play in the All Stars back in twenty twenty eleven, um, and it was the best week of my uh, NRL career, oh, wow. um, my footy career. You know, just to be able to be involved and playing alongside the brothers and. Um, having that cultural experience as well uh, brought into the camp and, um, you know, we played down in, on the Gold Coast. So running out there and seeing mob um, packing out the stadium, like, um, yeah, it was definitely something that I'll, I'll never forget. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah. That's so crazy. I remember going to that game in 2011. I think I was oh, really? nine years old. Yeah, <laughs> and it was at the Gold Coast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> make me feel old now. <laughs> No, I remember that we had a full weekend away at the Gold Coast. We went mm-hmm. to that game. I think my older brother played in the under sixteen. Okay. Yeah, yep. game the curtain raiser. So yeah, we had a weekend out of it. I think I got the day off school and everything. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm look, really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, the the motors have, have you know proven too strong over the last yeah. couple of years. But um, yeah, like I mentioned before, anything can happen. You know, when you're playing, when you put that jersey on um, and every time I see, you know, the war cry, I, I, I yeah, get goosebumps. goosebumps. It's crazy. You know, proper goosebumps. And, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if, you know, the older boys can step up, um, you know, Josh Adekar, um, who else we got? You know, Latrell. Um, yeah. You know, Cody Walker, you know, those boys, I think if they step up and lead the way for those young fellas that are coming through, Ezra, Ezra Mam, um, you know, Selwyn Cobbo, um, those young fellas as well, um, will be able to follow their lead. And um, Yeah, we have some yeah. great talent, especially I think natural talent as well within the team. 
But the game being over in New Zealand this mm-hmm. year, how special do you think it is for the players to bring not only their culture over to New Zealand but also experience another culture too? Yeah, it's also I think, you know, with what they've been with what they've done to bring the Maldives um against the um, you know, indigenous team, um it, it makes it even more special because they're they're strong and proud, um, you know, from with their culture as well. Um, I think it sort of got lost a little bit with the All Stars. Um, there were players where they they didn't really want to play, um, and you know they, their coaches said, um, you know, would pull them out of that game because they didn't feel that it was it was important enough. But um, you know, when they brought the Maldives, um into the mix, uh, everybody wants to play. And so, you know, having two strong cultures going at it, um, yeah, it's only strong. Um, it just makes it stronger for the game. Yeah, definitely. And you're also playing yourself ahead of the game. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, it's it's not that weekend, but I'll be playing. Um, so there's a six-episode um, six documentary um, with the... Um, old boys, the the New Zealand boys. Um, so, Clinton Torpy, um, who also they got um, Monty Beatham. So those boys that played, you know, in the mid two thousands, yeah. they've got a six um, episode documentary. And on the last on the last day, um, they've got the ex NRL Aussies going over to play against them. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, that's um, awesome. really looking forward to that. Um, they said it's just going to be a muck around game, but as we all know, if <laughs> you know, just one, it just takes one tackle. Um, yeah. You know, if someone comes out and, and puts a shot on, then um, the, the whole game changes. So, looking forward to that. And then the following week uh, in Redcliffe on the twenty fifth of February, um, Ian Lacey has got the ex NRL players again uh, playing against the um, police and the fireys. Uh, to raise money for those officers that uh, got killed in in the uh, line of duty um, a couple of months back. So, um, yeah, amazing cause. Yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that as well. Yeah, and do you know if Mob can get tickets to that game or how that one will work or how to raise money for it? I'm not too sure, um, you know, as as far as tickets. um, I, I have... I've only been told about it last week. So, um, it was kind of a last minute. Petro um, tipped me up on it, tipped me up on a game. So, um, yeah, definitely there'll be tickets available. And I think it's going to be a full day where, you know, there's going to be women um, awesome. representing as well. There's going to be a women's game before uh, the men's game. So, and maybe juniors as well. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, it'll be good if people can get out there. Uh, I'm not sure how you. Um, your hands on tickets, but um, yeah, I, I think um, it's, it's something that you know we should look into and uh, you know try and get mob out there. Yeah, definitely get out there to support, and you can catch Willie and Pedro out there with the boots back on. Um, now, finally, any New Year's resolutions you have for twenty twenty three? New Year's resolutions. Um, yeah, I, I just I I really want to. You know, um, you know, embrace my role as an ambassador. Um, you know, and I, I, I love, I, I genuinely love what I do. Um, 
especially going out into remote community and, um, you know, visiting those, you know, the people that sort of, you know, almost forgotten about. Um, you know, a lot of people don't get out to those remote communities, you know, Normanton and um, Weeper and, and places like that. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting out to remote communities and I heard that Yarrabah is um, partnering up with Deadly Choices as well, so that's another partnership that I'm looking forward to. Um, But, yeah, I I just looking forward to really go to another level, I guess, um, with my role and, um, yeah, upskilling myself in, um, you know, the best way possible and, um, you know, really wanting to make a difference um, with my people. Yeah, definitely. And we appreciate all the time that you give to us at Deadly Choices and being an ambassador. Um, so thank you for joining me today, Willie. And finally, pretty similar, what is your Deadly Choice? My Deadly Choice um, is uh, like, yeah, I, I think I, I say it every every time that I come on, is just um, staying active, um, you know, making sure that I, I, I get to the gym um, every day and um, you know, working out um, not only physically is a beneficial, but just mentally as well. Yeah. You know, I know that when I leave the gym, I feel a lot better mentally. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people realise how beneficial it is um, for your mental health, um, especially after the last couple of years that we've had um, yeah, with COVID. Um, you know, a lot of people have uh, really struggled mentally. Um, and um, my tip to them would be, um, yeah, just, you know, whether you, you just get out and go for like a 30-minute walk, um, it makes makes a world of difference. So. Yeah, that's it. I think like even half an hour a day just mm-hmm. doing something yep. active doesn't have to be intense or crazy like gym work or anything, just getting out there exactly. outdoors mm-hmm. and just, yeah, exercising for at least 30 minutes yep, definitely. makes the biggest difference and it really sets the tone. I it think, does, for the week. Yep. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Willie, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Real Life Perspectives from our mob to our mob. Now, don't forget, if you would like to support Andrew and his challenge, you can head to Deadly Choices Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn page to donate. If you would like to find out more about Deadly Kindies, you can head to their Facebook page to find out how to enrol your jargon. Thank you for listening to Deadly Choices Radio, where we put the spotlight on Deadly Kindies. Don't forget, Deadly Choices is all about eating healthy, exercising, checking in on our mob and leading healthy lifestyles for generations to come. I'm your host, Brooke Carson. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll be back next week. Deadly Choices Radio. A show encouraging mob to make healthy choices from stop smoking, eating good food, exercising daily, and getting a health check for themselves and their family. Featuring Deadly Choices ambassadors, the Healthy Lifestyle Mob, and many more. So tune in to Deadly Choices after 6 p.m. each Wednesday and on demand on AAA Murray Country. We're going to-